Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Certainly as I've gotten older in my filmmaking career, I've really had to ask myself, like, okay, why am I depicting this? Why am I watching this? Like, you know, sort of why am I asking an audience to watch sometimes scenes of terrible violence or terrible tragedy or very completely messed up circumstances? I just feel like it's really important to acknowledge that with everyone. Yellow Jackets director and executive producer Karin Kusama has become more aware of what it means to be mindful of the mental health of everyone on set over the years. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Yellow Jackets executive producer Karin Kusama, who also directed the series' shocking season two finale, about where the series went this year and where it might go next. But first, on the Award Circuit Roundtable, we talk about episodic submissions for this year's Emmy Awards and much more. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I am a Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, along with the Jazz Tenke. I'm back. Test, test, Little Little timing. It's timing. <laughs> Emily Longaretta. Hello. Clayton Davis. Hola. Happy August, everyone. Happy August. August, December, whatever we're going to call this. I don't know what, but we're all together. Yes. That's all that matters. We are. It's true. Yeah, the past couple of weeks, uh, we're uh, very strike-centric in our conversation. Mm-hmm. So, still going on. It's still, still hot outside. It's like 100 it's degrees. So it's still very hot outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it uh, may be hot for a while and uh, the strikes inside may and be out. going on for a while. Inside so. and outside. Yeah. So as things continue, why don't we turn our attention back to the Emmy race, which will be the longest uh, Emmy calendar in history, I suppose, if now we're waiting until January. Mm-hmm. For the uh, actual ceremony, which it's looking 99% likely that we may be waiting a long, long time for the results of the upcoming vote. What do you think the chances are that it leaks <laughs> in that six-month span? <laughs> like, is there a shot that it leaks that, that no, long? No. I think it's unlikely. And I, voting is still 
17th to the 28th, that's not moving. No, it's not moving. So unless they rehire the uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers people who screwed up the envelopes <laughs> at the Oscars back in the day. And then they leak it. And then they leak it. Yeah, exactly. People are going to forget what they vote, voted for by January. They'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what, right. what, what was that TV show? That from show back from then? two years ago. That Mike, is... I know you've been like doing so much reporting on this. Why January? Like, what's the reason behind January? That's what Fox wants. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're, their rationale is sports dominates in November. Mm-hmm. Um, that's their rationale. Now, I could argue that, well, you could do it on a Thursday. It right. doesn't necessarily need to be on a Sunday. Um, but, you know, scheduling-wise, they just don't feel comfortable doing mm-hmm. it in November. And honestly, as we see the strikes continue, and now the thought is we may be seeing a strike until at least October. Yeah. Suddenly, January's not looking so off. Right. Because as people all. know, December mm-hmm. is just not a thing. Yeah, December The whole yeah. industry closes Yeah, December. December's tough. And then, you know, if, if the strikes don't end until end of October, maybe even November, then a November date is probably still too soon to right. get everyone's ducks in a row. We still need writers together. to write a yeah. show. Right. Yeah. 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 And once people get back in the room for the strike and start actually having the negotiations, then it's like we still have – that's a long time. That doesn't mean like we're in the room and then there's an answer. It's right. a, could be a long process. Yeah. And and particularly how far apart the two sides are now, yeah. both with WGA and SAG-AFTRA. It's going to take some time to also bring down the rhetoric and bring down the emotions and mm-hmm. just have everyone sort of sit down and, and reassess, okay, what – can we accomplish here? Time of recording, they still are not speaking yet, right? We just yeah, like, this yeah, is they're, very they're true. still not speaking as we record this right now. And SAG is week three, two, three, four, four. Do you guys know that I? It's like time doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and we wrote about this last week as well. You know, there, there's still talk of this week uh, force majeure. Uh, situations happening where you know a number of deals may be canceled by the studios. We'll, we'll see. Time of recording, it hasn't yet happened, but there was a feeling that August 1st was a date that the, some of the studios would really start to look at some of the deals that they can cancel and that they might. So TBD on that. Mm-hmm. The Oof. fun stuff. So things that make worth life life worth living. Right? <laughs> Why don't we talk about more fun stuff like the Emmy race? Yay! Yeah. Yay. I mean the good the I mean the good thing that came out of this uh, episode submissions have have been announced most if nearly all of them. Not Merritt Weavers. She's the only actor that we don't know what her episode submission. <laughs> Which yet. is interesting. Yeah, there's a few it could be. Yeah, and I and maybe we they, she has chosen we just haven't uh, been aware yet. But for people who don't know, because it's inside baseball, for the series categories, drama and comedy, the they select six episodes to represent. Uh, limited, that doesn't happen. You just, just the whole thing that goes forward. And then for the acting categories, you choose one uh, episode as your submission. Mm-hmm. And I think what's hilarious, top of, <laughs> top of this, is, is succession, obviously front runner in every category. And what... We all consider to be the greatest episode of television, Connor's Wedding. Not one actor submitted Connor's Wedding. <laughs> so Not one. That's funny. Including uh, Connor. Including, including Connor Alamock. It's named after him. But uh, it was submitted as part of the six. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, it was submitted as part of I thought interesting the six that Succession submitted were the 
first three, which are the Munsters rehearsal, which Brian Cox is in <laughs> a good amount of. Of course, yes. Um, Connor's Wedding is the third. Then they did America Decides, which is Election Day, Church and State, which is the funeral, and obviously the finale. Um, a lot of the actors doubled up. Uh, in their selections, Brian Cox submitted rehearsal. It's the only one that he really could <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> submit. Naturally. Uh, that's also the one that Alan Ruck submitted. Oh, so Connor decided to go forward with that one. Uh, Kieran did Church and State, which I thought was interesting because, again, that's a funeral episode. I thought he might have done Kill List, which is what Skarsgård submitted. And that's when he yells at him at the wall as he pees on the stone and stuff like that. <laughs> I thought that would have been a good uh, choice for them. Yeah. And then Matthew McFadden and Sarah Snook both chose Tailgate Party, uh, which is when they have their big blow up on mm. the balcony, which was not one of the six that were submitted. And also for, not for series, for drama. For series, yeah, yeah that they put up. But good. And I was going to say, but when you talk to people about Succession and Sarah Snook this season, that is the one scene everybody the balcony yeah. scene for, is for like the both of them yeah, yeah. i i kind of wish you would have submitted connor's wedding though because i think i mean listen you can all all of them are so great in that episode but i feel like that's the one that everyone really noticed that sarah snook was a force to be reckoned so it feels a little like sucky but um but yeah succession is 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 in a good spot um and everyone you know oh that that's why i want to say <laughs> nicholas braun cousin craig choosing election night as his episode which i thought was uh, also very telling and not the finale when in which he actually slaps tom finally so those were that that was like the top of uh, everything there but last of us worst epi- emmy submission my personal opinion is pedro pascal he chose what they call kin it is the episode uh, in which he gets stabbed at the end when we think like he might have been out that's mm-hmm. what he submitted and I think that's not a good one because traditionally, first year uh, series always choose either the pilot or the finale, which is what Jeremy Allen White did uh, for The Bear. But he chose like an in the middle episode six, where Bella Ramsey chose amazingly uh, the one um, I think it's what you what you'll need. It's the one with the cannibal guy that she like they sorry they have their. A uh, big breakdown in the cabin, and it gets set on fire, mm-hmm. and they're amazing in it. But mm-hmm. well, so let's talk about episodic submissions and and choices, and and how important that is to the process. What what is your take on that? So it used to matter, I think, eons ago, and it mattered. I think the last time it really mattered was if anyone remembers House of Cards, uh, Robin Wright. Famously didn't submit the episode that everyone thought she should have submitted, where she she has like this big breakdown. Uh, uh, I think it was this might have been season three, and she instead did one where she sits on the stairs and like cries, and it just wasn't. Everyone was like, "You chose the wrong episode," and she lost that year. Now people feel episodes episode submission doesn't matter anymore. You either watch the show or you don't, and they're not really gonna vote for you based on like that one single episode. But I think there are enough purists out there that still do, you know, will say like, "Oh, I haven't really watched the series, so I'll watch that one episode that they submitted and go from there," or or see if it's more. If they have a lot of overlap between other acting categories, like, you know, like Succession, you're like, oh, I can watch four episodes and get all my actors uh, covered in one shot. 
I mean, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. up, it's up for discussion. It, do, it does seem like it, it probably mattered more back in the age of 22 episodes a season where you really did have to narrow down. Where, where, when you have a show that only has six episodes, then, you know, it's, it's less of a roll of the dice because you yeah. only have six to choose from. But some do, I think, really are like key killer submissions, such as Phil Dunster submitting mom uh, list for his uh, episode or Abbott. Janelle James submitted um, the fundraiser episode and Cheryl Lee Ralph submitted uh, the fire where they have the fire, <laughs> which is a hilarious episode. And it's a really good one. Um, I mean, in the same, in the same thing, it's like Jason Siegel submitting imposter syndrome, which was when he throws up on the piano. I mean, the, I think the, that so, is excellent uh, submission. Beautiful submission and totally. something that I looked at and then said, I don't think he's number five anymore in the category. Right. I think Bill Hader is because Bill Hader did not choose the finale. And I think mm. when you're ending your series, for you not to choose the finale, mm. just usually like, I'm like, why? Like, I why would not? be interested to look at like a deeper dive of like who chooses the finales or pilots, especially if a first season, because sometimes a pilot is really, really strong. Yeah. Whereas like Jeremy Ellen White, of course, the finale of season yeah. one of The Bear, um, which that monologue that he delivered at AA was so so powerful like, yeah. to me is like the best idea for him to do yeah I, th- I think when you uh i think sometimes you submit a pilot when you think that a lot of people haven't watched your entirety <laughs> of the show so they you submit the pilot and be like oh you have to do is watch the first episode and that's it right ergo natasha leone submitted pilot for poker face even though it's probably watched but maybe not um, and in my opinion, not the strongest episode, though. No, for her, absolutely not. for her, not. no. No, not at all. Because it's all the setup. But it's, it's like the only major nom for the show. Of course. So you just go for it. Um, but, you know, but Bob Odenkirk, our, our man Bob, did the finale. It's all gone. And that's like a really mm. good, like, final outing for him. And I think he's also going to benefit probably from an inevitable vote split between three succession boys and a bad call by Pedro Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, just my personal opinion. But Jeff Bridges submitted the pilot right. of Old Man. Well, because that show came out 12 years ago and everyone watched So did Better Call Saul. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, Jeff Bridges was in his 20s when the old man. He wasn't even an old man. No, no. It was, it was called The Man. Before. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, the, it, but Ray Zehorn did not submit the finale. She did Waterworks, which I think is like the second to last or third to last. Like mm. when, or the, I think this one when she comes back after she's missing for like mm. an episode or two. So you know, we will see what happens in, in that in that space. But again, back to the ultimate question: Does episode submissions matter? Probably not. Because I think Succession is going to be fine. The fact that it shows its first three and it, it really comes yeah. alive. You know, three through ten isn't really uh, going to factor. But Ted Lasso, I think, chose episode two and that everything else was sunflowers on. So I think they knew that all the best stuff was in the second half of the season when the episodes get undeniably longer. <laughs> and I do wonder if this year in particular, because there is no campaigning by the talent, uh, will actually the episodic choices matter a little bit more because you don't have – talent out there tub thumping and and sort of just reminding people overall to to vote for them regardless of of their performance i do think that the strike is going to factor in the sense of like someone like ryan murphy 
I wonder how the strike affects him. You know, he has the the lawsuit with WGA. You know, he was doing stuff during the strike period. Does that create an anti-Dahmer vote? Mm. Um, I think Niecy Nash will be able to survive any anti-Dahmer vote because she feels like such a... It seems like, of all, the same way that, like, last year we were saying, like, you know, it's... Gene Smart was like the the only one yeah. that was like pretty much we could say a shoe in. Mm-hmm. I still feel like that's Nisi Nash yeah. Yeah. for this year. Yeah, um, but like, could that affect an Evan Peters? Because I think you, when people think of uh, Evan Peters, they're like, oh, that he's one and one with Ryan Murphy, even though one, he has nothing one, to yeah. do with it. But they're one person. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, then you then you start asking yourself, what could beat uh, Dahmer? And I think that's definitely beef. Mm. I mean, beef, beef and Succession are the only ones that are nominated in every acting category. So, I think you have to assume that beef would be the the benefactor, but also yeah. may not. I mean, beef has its own baggage, you know, quote unquote. But beef does maybe. have its own. That's what right. I was just gonna say. Yeah. That's not without controversy yeah. either. So, kind of managed to uh, move, quiet down. Yeah, yeah, move on from that a little bit. Yeah, uh, I think that was you know it was interesting. I think that was maybe uh, sometimes things feel inside baseball ish. You know, that it doesn't seep out into the ether. And I think, I don't know if this was designed by Netflix or maybe he just did on his own. No one, like, saw David Cho out there. No. No. A- alongside a beef sign. Right. <laughs> so I think they're just like, oh, okay, like, you know, we can do this with a straight face and not mm-hmm. feel icky about it. Right. right. And not that the rest of the cast should be punished. For no, that yeah, anyway, no. So. Right, right. And if anything, like, you know, Stephen Yun and, and Ali Wong in particular are, are so great yes. in, in mm-hmm. this show that you kind of forget about uh, some of the other people. Mm-hmm. And that's hopefully what the people uh, behind the show are hoping you do as well. Yeah. yeah. But then you have to ask yourself, like, if it's not Evan Peters, Right then, who is it? And I'm like feeling this like little Daniel Radcliffe brewing. Like it's it's. it's I would love that. It's, it's, I would love so Kumail. I mean, honestly, that category is so stacked. It's like just so because then there could be this surprise with Michael Shannon. Like who knows? Mm-hmm. Someone said that to me literally today. They I, said, "What if Michael Shannon?" I would wins? not count it out. And Don't, I was yeah. like, "It makes sense." Like it was that time you yeah. and McGregor won for right. um, what was it? Hall- Halston. Yeah. I was going to say Hollywood. It wasn't Hollywood. Halston. I was going to say Halstead, but that's a character on the PD. Like, he could, like, he's an actor's actor kind of thing. That's why I think James Marsden is going to (laughs) win. That's my Hail Mary. You have to have one. Listen, I had a Hail Mary pick last year. What was your Hail Mary last year? Cheryl Lee Ralph. And she did it. And James Marsden, I think, is going to be it. And listen, I think a lot of it is a little bit of episode submission. He, did like a middle episode that's like he's fantastic again. Um, Brett Goldstein chose a weird one. Oh. He did the um, like like uh, I forgot what it's called. Ali Fala do was the one with the French word, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he did I, he did that, and then Phil Dunster chose a great one, but he's also not as famous. And there's right. the lasso yeah. split syndrome that I can mean, happen. It's, it's not a crazy guess. I mean, jury duty like has really hit at the right time, yes. and we're still talking about jury duty. Nope. Yeah. Yep. In a, in a way that we're not talking about other folks. And I would say also in that category, I mean, that Eben Moss Backrock from The Bear. I think in season one, everyone was so obsessed with Jeremy Allen White and John Bernthal coming in um, as they should be because they're both amazing. But with season two airing. 
everyone was like, wow, Eben really got to show what he can do. Yeah. And that yeah. might help him with yeah. this because yeah. everyone's reminded like this guy he's can great. act. Yeah. And, and I think he's got a shot as well. And, and the irony is going to be he may it's win like, for season two, even though it's actually for season one. But people are like, he's so good in season two. So like, just that's how we're yeah. voting for, guys, as yeah. a reminder. That, yep. that could be the, the weirdest example of the, the just the timetable yeah. working out for the that bear show. Is, the bear is the, the strangest timetable because like you pointed out, there's a world that if we do get pushed back far enough that Jeremy Allen White could win the Globe for season two before, and, before and, the and, and season yeah, one. It's going to be both. It's totally going to happen. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and also just point out here that Mike's dad, Emily's grandfather, Henry Winkler, did not also <laughs> submit the did not submit the finale of Barry. No. And neither did Anthony Kerrigan. And I thought Henry Winkler was like a sneaky winner waiting in the wings. Like, you know, give him one more mm-hmm. before he goes didn't out. And he it. didn't do that. So now I'm like, oh, okay. Comedy's now wide open. We can just kind of do whatever. And maybe Eben is the benefactor of that and he just pulls it off. Yeah. But that, again, sort of depends on how much people are looking at those episodes or not. But Yeah. Right. You know. Uh, yeah. I. God bless Henry Winkler, American Treasure. <laughs> at least he did get his Emmy at one point. Yeah, he did get during it. this run. But. Yeah, but also just to also point out here, uh, I am also just keeping a very close eye on Mr. Martin Short because Steve Martin isn't there now to take any more votes for, from him. Mm. And I wonder, you know, Sudeikis shows the finale. Great call. That's the one you go for. Yeah, he could definitely win again. Jer- uh, Jeremy Allen White's. Did the finale too. But Martin Short is such a, what I call a purity choice that people love Martin Short. Like the, he's like, I believe in many ways is the heart of only murders in the building. Like I think he Mm. might be like the best part. I think his uh, chemistry with Selena Gomez is probably where a lot of the magic happens. Well, I haven't watched the episodes yet that haven't aired for this upcoming season, but would that could, yeah, I I I wonder how strong he is in that because that Mm. could have the same as the very Eben effect. yeah. 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 And see, Martin Short has a one in acting Emmy, so like, which is actually insane, that's bonkers. Which that's, is it's such a wild thing to think. Like, who's gonna get mad at Martin Short for like winning? And because everyone would be like, "Oh, Jeremy Allen White, you're on a drama anyway," and Jesus uh, <laughs> Davis <laughs> won twice. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Those are two things that could easily happen. Like people were like, "The Bears not a comedy," so I'm not voting for that. Yeah. I just feel like a lot of things are a lot more open than they were a couple of months ago mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of these categories and, and where they could go. And, and you could see things going in all sorts of different ways here. Yeah. Or it gets really lazy and they just go like straight down the line. Because like Ted Lasso, like I feel I'm feeling kind of all right that Ted Lasso is going to win. I think it's, it's hard to make an argument. I that had it's this not... last year, too. And I was annoyed that it won. Last... <sighs> not that I was annoyed. Yeah. It's obviously excellent. But it, it did. It's time. To, I have a hard time when the show you, continues you, you, to win. Yeah, you, yeah. Spread the love. Exactly. I think you can pivot elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Abbott has its back against the wall because it does. It's not nominated for writing, so it had to be the first show to win without a writing nom since Friends, and it's a long time ago. And then the Bear. People think that's the upset, and I'm like, sure, maybe. But then I think you have to convince me that's definitely definitely going to win directing and writing. On top of Jeremy Allen White, and I think mm. you maybe need IO too in that kind of world of like the bear one big that night. Maybe, but maybe, I mean, maybe it could do it without, but you know, I just think they could go Ted Lasso down the line and just be like, da, 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 da. here's everyone, Hannah, here you go. She had the big episode, uh, when she gives yeah. a big speech that she chose. So I think it could get really lazy I mean, really fast, or yeah. 
I, I the big question and just talking about going down the line, I have trouble with the Kieran Culkin stuff. Really? Be, not, and not because he's – I think he's, again, the purity choice. I think he's actively the best part of this season. But I think there's always this perception that he's acting like himself and he's not. Obviously, I think he's doing something like that's obviously very impressive. Mm-hmm. But I think too many people look at him and they're like, oh, that's just you being Kieran Culkin. You're not actually doing you know, real acting there. And I think they just may feel – and also, I think he's deceivingly young. I think he looks young to people. I mean, they're like, oh, we'll get to you when you're in your 30s. And you're like, actually, he's 40. But right. but thanks. <laughs> you know. So I, I think maybe that 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 comes into into play. Hmm. You know, it's so funny when you bring up the idea of maybe it's time to award other shows. It shouldn't be the same show every year. I've got a crazy like. I'm going to throw this out, and you're going to be like, it. no way. Let's hear it. Cult. Let's Do hear it. it. You know. The Tonys, every year, it's new shows, right? They never bring back, like... It's not like The Lion King every yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Phantom you, of the Opera every wicked. year. Right. And they have fewer <laughs> shows debut every year compared to TV. Why doesn't the Emmys move to just so... every year, it's just the new stuff? Could you imagine, though? Like, Can that's you imagine? so strange because then it's only the first season nominated. That's yeah. the difference. As the Tonys, it's the same. A Broadway show doesn't change every season. Like, it's not a new season well, of The Lion King. But they do. They bring in new stars new for The Lion King. And but it's not a new story. But it's the same story. <laughs> it's the same. Well, yeah. In the in-between of that, to me in the middle, I think that's why the show needs a best new series category. And that mm. you maybe you can't compete in for best comedy series and best drama series. Like, I... I, I I, I do understand what you're saying because I think it becomes a little like over and over again. Modern Family, those five in a row are rough. Oh, like, it was more mm-hmm. than five in a row. It, it, was, it, it, like, it, was, it was five in a row. It was yeah. it was five in a row and then it like stopped. And I remember that. Oh, the nominations were more. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was talking yeah. about the wins. They yeah. won five in a row. I remember when that fifth one came, everyone was like, oh, God. Like, just like, are we like, come on, guys. What's the point? What are we doing? Like, here? like what are we doing here? And I think, you know, you you can do that. I think if we just felt confident that the Emmys could look outside of just what won last year, we wouldn't feel this way. But as we saw with the guest categories having just Last of Us in Succession, only. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to have guest categories. The guest actors, I guess. I don't know. They're, they're, I guess there's too much to try to solve in one day. But, yeah, and, and, you know, we've argued for years about the new show category. And they've always said, well, you know, new shows go in the regular categories. And so many of – and it's true. So many of the drama and comedy uh, nominees are new shows. So maybe it's redundant to then have a new show category because then the bear would win new show and comedy. Or or maybe then it wins new show and then people don't feel the need to have to go, go down the line. You could like, – because then I think in theory you could – base a show's worthiness of a win off seasons one and two. Yeah. And then how, like, does it continue that momentum? So then you would build up, you know, it feels worth Cause when you give it best comedy series for a first year, then you're ultimately saying like, Oh, it's the best thing. And it can't get any better than this. And then we obviously that isn't That's true. the case. I mean, there is something different about first year shows. And so maybe last year Abbott elementary would have won best new comedy or best new series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, but that's not the same kind of pressure as winning best comedy. Yeah. But 
had it won, at least then it would have an Emmy under its belt. And this year, the Bear would win for Best New Series. Yeah. I mean, Grammys do a Best New Artist, and I think it works. I mean, they still have been allowed yeah. to go in the top categories. I think you can still allow the shows to do it. But you just know that there's somewhere you can give a freshman series and really focus on, like, the big categories to be something that's, like, yeah. beefier. And it doesn't feel as bad if Ted Lasso wins for a third year in a row because then the Bear won Best New Series. And, okay, everyone's, like, you know, the shows that should be honored got honored. Yeah. But also, I think maybe we need to move to that eventually because what people are doing, essentially – is uh, calling l- some of the limited series best new series, best yeah. new series, yeah. and then they're just like, oh, okay, now here's White Lotus second time you can right. go to drama, and I think that's what there's already danger of that happening now. Yeah, so yeah. just give them a category. I mean, beef really isn't coming back. I mean, or at least not in its current form. You know, I think it was they said it was commissioned as an anthology, so. We'll have new beefers next season. <laughs> oh, that's the other way people get around it is the whole anthology thing. Yeah. Which. Uh, new yeah, road but, rage. Uh, yeah. I mean, Ameri- that's the American Horror Story fix because uh, that was, you know, Jessica Lang on every season. But she's playing someone new until they did like, you know, the best of everyone <laughs> uh, season. They were like, okay, now you can go in drama. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's all. Uh, a little bit of a mess, but it's our mess. It's our mess, and we like it so much. <laughs> um, uh, Emily, I have a question for you regarding um, what I think everyone wants to know regarding publicity for actors versus writers. Because writers, obviously, were doing things. Actors seem to be much more strict. Mm-hmm. Is that actually like a SAG thing or is that an actor's choice thing? I think that's muddied. I'm I like, think it who- is muddied. I think it is a SAG thing. I mean, that is very clear in the rules that publicity is not allowed. Um, but I don't know if writers have, or if actors have spoken to SAG and said the way that writers did. And, you know, to kind of backtrack a little bit after, while that was originally the rules with WGA that they weren't allowed to do publicity, after some people were, you know, complained, understandably so, because they wanted to be able to promote their work, um, they they kind of figured out a way around it where actors, if they were comfortable, were allowed to do press via their personal publicists instead mm-hmm. of the studios. Whereas actors, I, one, I don't know if they've had those conversations, if they, if they have had any of them. Two, I think actors, because they are more in the public eye than the writers and their names are more out there, are a bit more nervous, even if they're even if they are, like, somehow allowed. If their personal publicist is like, hey, they're willing to talk about this, they don't want to do that. They don't, to, to most actors, and we've seen that there are not every actor that feels this way, to most actors, they're, they view that as, like, crossing the, crossing yeah. the line. Scatting. I mean, I mean, Viola Davis, I think, one of the most prominent examples, mm-hmm. you know, got a, yeah. got a waiver for her movie. Of course. And yeah. then said, like, no, I'm not going to do it. And it's you know, because, I, th- I think when you're, big then it just like it does i mean perception is reality of course you know right or not but i think people are like you know you know why they get to do it right and we've seen that people are kind of the rule of not promoting past projects that were done by a studio under sag has kind of been that's kind of been muddied already like obviously 
rewatch podcasts are continuing and these fan conventions are continuing and people are doing it, but not everyone is comfortable. I mean, a few yeah. actors I've talked to haven't like f- announced it, but are being like, mm, we're going to just hit pause for a little bit. I saw, you know, one of the, the full house podcasts. I know Dave Collier was yeah. like, I'm going to just, just going to sit back a little He's bit. going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dad joke. Well waiting done. Ahead. Well done. Um, but yeah, and I, under, I, that makes sense. You know, that does make sense. I do think, as we get closer to Emmys, it's now there's going to be th- so is there going to be this long of no promotion? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to continue. I, it's, it's Jazz's how? moment. It's all about the artisans. But it's, but uh, art, art. Speaking of artisans, though, I mean, with production stopped, I mean they're the ones that are really taking it on the chin right now yeah. uh, in this space, and I do feel a sense of. I don't want to say the word fatigue, but that, I think that's the best. Like, I think people are kind of like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we doing? Like, what's the next move? Because yeah. right now we're all yelling, but no one's like coming up with a solution. It's all the the great search for the adult in the room. And, and there isn't one. And there there isn't one right now. But I think how much longer uh, – Stephen um, um, Amel? Amel? Yes. Yeah. yeah, like his recent comments, mm-hmm. I think we're like, you know, I support my union, but I don't think striking is a good idea. It was like, oh, okay. So, like, I wonder if more people are going yeah. to feel Which that I way. I yeah. quickly backtrack the next day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I was taken out of context. Yeah, were like, you? <laughs> we, there was a video of you. We, we saw yeah. the whole video of the conversation. I when there's videos. You didn't hear the tone of my voice. I was yeah. being sarcastic. And also, we heard the tone of your voice. <laughs> yeah. There was a video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, that's one of the things is like, Two percent of SAG and WGA voted against the strike, so there are a few people out there, and there's no nothing saying you can't have your own opinion. Yeah. It's just to be a little respectful. Bills are piling up, though. You know, sure. Yep. And uh, inflation's true. getting worse, and you know, eventually money kind of talks. And then what, the whole thing with soap operas—they're temporary writers. So what we're calling them? They—they're like FICOR writers, which means they're still. Uh, you know, they, they've decided not to be a part of the WGA. I, you're, yeah, I guess you're technically still a part, but you're not an actual like paying or voting member at that point. Mm. So, yeah, I wonder what like a Quentin Tarantino is doing right now. He's not part of the writers guild. He's never been. And I wonder if he's just like, like, I feel I'm still going to write myself. And there's like, a couple of the high profile. Not too worried about him. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, uh, Tyler Perry is not a right. voting member, paying member of the WGA. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's things uh, we learn. Yeah. And there's, there's a John Ridley. There's a couple of them that, uh, what well, do you know? What, what are they up to right boom, now? Boom, boom, boom. All right. Well, on that note, I think uh, we'll head out because uh, voting starts soon. Uh, next week? Next week? No. no. Two it's weeks. August 17th. Oh. 16 days. Oh. 16 Again. days. Again, right. what is time? What is time? <laughs> we don't right. know. So, like, what? <laughs> so you have time to still watch stuff. Uh, so we'll be back next week to give you our picks. And uh, till then, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. After the break, Yellow Jackets executive producer and director Karin Kusama. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. All right, it's spoiler alert time. Showtime's Yellow Jackets, which earned its second consecutive Emmy nomination for Outstanding Drama this year, dug deeper this season into what happened when a high school girls soccer team crash-landed in the Canadian Rockies wilderness with no help or food. The series splits its focus between those flashbacks and today when we see how the survivors are still haunted by what happened. In 1996, the season ends with Natalie, played by Sophie Thatcher, taking over as leader from Lottie, played by Courtney Eaton, and the ramifications of what happened when none of the hungry survivors tries to save the youngest, Javi, as he falls into a lake and is eyed as dinner. In the final moments, their cabin erupts into flames, leaving everyone outdoors in the cold. Meanwhile, in the modern timeline, Lottie, played by Simone Kessel, suggests it's time for one of them to be sacrificed. Ultimately, they race after Shauna, played by Melanie Linsky, but it's Natalie, played by Juliette Lewis, who's killed by an injection by Misty, played by Christina Ricci. You started this, so you better not start making people feel bad about it now. We have to do it the way we used to. Have you all forgotten where that leads? Walter Tattersall, friend of Misty's. Do you want to help me move this body? What? This isn't over. You can submit or you can run. You really don't belong in this place. Somehow, Yellow Jacket Season 2 managed to keep its sense of humor, even as the series' story got darker, and yes, it finally went full cannibal. It's all about balancing the tone, which is something executive producer Karin Kusama helped set last season as director of the show's pilot. We recently spoke with Kusama about Season 2 of Yellow Jackets, including that ending, and her thoughts on what she'd like to see on the series next. We began that noting that with the WGA and SAG after strikes, as executive producer-director, Kusama has been drafted to do more of the Emmy campaign heavy lifting this season. It is. It's an interesting, chaotic, difficult time for so many people. So if I can be of help, I'm I'm glad to be able to be here and talk about the show in in the absence of its creators and its wonderful collaborators. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you were there, uh, it's setting the tone for the show in the beginning anyway, yeah. and the look and the feel, and this is a show that so much is about tone. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you directed that finale, that bat shit <laughs> finale. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty <laughs> so, crazy finale. <laughs> a lot, a lot happens, but uh, we'll get to that. But I, I kind of want to, uh, the, the role of the executive producer director uh-huh. is so interesting to me. So, and, and this is your first time as an EP director, right? On a show? Yes, it is. Walk me through it that. What, what does that mean? I mean, I think there, as we were sort of talking about earlier, I, I think there are a lot of different ways people do it. Uh, and I do think that sometimes directors um, direct the pilot and then don't really interact with the show post directing the pilot for me uh it it felt so exciting to imagine that i could direct the pilot and could continue this creative relationship with ashley and bart and eventually jonathan lisco who i had gotten to know on halt and catch fire and and i just felt really um 
creatively aligned with him as well to be able to see the process of of a pilot actually getting on the air as part of a first season of television uh, for me it was like a great opportunity i wouldn't have wanted to not be part of it yeah. in that regard so it was really it was a really wonderful um first time for me you know to yeah. do that yeah and does that also sort of help in in sort of you know directing that pilot and really sort of understanding where the show might be going and, and talking to jab mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. we refer to the executive producers and, and yes. sort of staying in contact with them, being a part of that process. So knowing like, okay, this is, this is, you know, this is why we're going this direction. This is why the, yeah. this casting makes sense, et cetera. Well, I, I was really lucky because I felt like I met with Ashley and Bart and we spoke a lot about where the show was going in their minds where it could go and and it was part of a more old school process the the pilot making process which is which is actually different than i think the way um a lot of shows have gotten onto the air in say the past 10 years where they just go straight to series mm-hmm. and so this gave us this opportunity to make this first episode and then actually really talk in depth and over a long period of time about where things could head, where things should head. And uh, it was just exciting to be part of those conversations. You know, obviously, Ashley, Bart, and Jonathan made those decisions among themselves finally, but it was it was just nice to be in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And so how how much are you in the, in that room talking to them, knowing, okay, this is when – this is this is when they're yeah, gonna I, start I mean, nine on each yeah, other, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I think um, there there are definitely you know sort of meeting points in which I get a sense of the broad strokes for the for the first season, and then eventually for the second. Um, and that came from hearing the season pitch outs and hearing and reading the the broad outline of season one and two and getting that sense of how things are going to develop. Um, and what's really interesting is seeing how sometimes those broad strokes needed to shift or change and, and evolve. Um, but I'm not in the writer's room. That's like a that's a sacred yeah. space for the writers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, you know, what's, what's been – what's interesting and what's been interesting over the past 10, 20 years now, I suppose, is seeing the, the role of the director evolve in television mm-hmm. where once upon a time it was strictly – you came in, you did your episode, you you dropped out. You yep. didn't really have much to say in terms of the look and feel of the show because it's already been well established. Mm-hmm. So as an executive producer director, you know, you're still not there directing every episode. So you're sort of seeing how other directors are interpreting the material, interpreting yep. the tone that you laid out in that first episode. But how does that work? Uh, how often are you maybe talking to those other directors or, or how much are you sort of paying attention to how they've interpreted the material and then coming back and, and seeing, oh, the tone kind of shifted this direction. Okay. Yep. This is a slightly different show when you come back to direct an episode. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've had a great a, a great run of getting to know, in the case of this particular show, the producing directors who have been on the show. And and so that that was a great way to have that initial conversation about 
the tone that was set up in the pilot, and then either pretty set or understood ways in which that tone might depart from the pilot or expand upon the pilot uh, versus, you know, sort of where we can be in, in kind of new territory and where directors can take bigger swings or different chances, you know, with the material. Um, so that helped for me as an EP to be able to have those conversations with the producing director on each season. Yeah. Um, and and they were both great and they were they both had very interesting reasons for loving the show. And so that's the other thing too is like every director brought something very specific and interesting, I would say for the most part to every episode. Yeah. Yeah. And and some landmark moments this season where mm-hmm. we're really seeing what's happening to to these young women yep. and these adult women. Um, the show, you know, famously, especially in season one, I mean, it's a very funny show as yeah, well. It is. It is. As things get darker, speaking of tone, how do you balance that? Well, it's interesting because I feel like they, Jab, they've, they always understood a tone that I really love myself, which is um, – a kind of adrenalized sense of shock or intense experience that you're witnessing and and engaging with that sometimes makes you feel like you need to laugh because you're so nervous mm-hmm. by it and and I would say you know a movie like Jennifer's Body to some degree embodies that tone or even aspects of The Invitation, which was my fourth film after Jennifer's Body, um, I think there's something about feeling like you're laughing and then recognizing the moment where you stop laughing and all of a sudden nothing is funny anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's a really interesting modern moment, I think, to evoke for audiences. Um, I feel it all the time now. Like, we're looking at catastrophe half the time and almost have to laugh it's so bad. And then there's a moment where it's like, okay, it's just not funny anymore. Now we have to take some stuff really seriously and figure out how to get ourselves out of this mess. And I mean mess in a very general, uh, broad way right now. But as it relates to the show, I think that was a tone that was something we were always going to be playing with. Yeah, because, I mean, we're talking about the season getting darker, but at the same time, there's that uh, the, the the dance moment, of course, the Caligula moment with mm-hmm. uh, Christina Ricci <laughs> right, and right. John Cameron Mitchell. Uh, you know, that's – right. That's you, I don't even know if you could do that in season one. If you, the show yeah. earned it. Yeah, I'm, and, I, and I think also we're at this place, I think, with visual storytelling where – at the very least, take the swing. Like, I guess I just feel like, who writes the rules, really? Why do we follow those rules, really? Like, I, th- I think in a way, what was exciting about those kind of moments in the show was that it was just trying something, you know? It was sort of imagining, okay, if we're trying to get to the interior of some of these headspaces of these characters, maybe that interior is really fundamentally wild and interesting. Let's explore it. And and I really respect that about the show, that it takes those chances, you know, regardless of of sort of looking to aim it and and be sure that it works. It's the trying that I really, really respect. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, was the plan always for you to direct the season two finale? Yeah, that was always the hope. I had hoped to be able to direct more in season one, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pan- pandemic just shifted everything because I had also committed to doing um, an episode of my husband and his partner's show in Vancouver and had done the the two-week quarantine where mm-hmm. you're locked in your hotel room by yourself. And um, having done that one time, I was like, you know, I don't know that I could do it again. Yeah. And um in one year. Yeah. Um, and in fact, that was the case. I would have needed to do that again. So yeah. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't risk my sanity one more time like that. Right. What, what, what do you do to <laughs> sidebar? What do you do during those? Uh... I cannot tell you how many Criterion movies I watched. <clears throat> it was actually kind of an, um, an amazing deep dive, I would say, for the first nine days i watched a lot of movies and really studied them and i have to say i i appreciate that kind of opportunity i would say by day day 10 looking at those last four days of quarantine i was just like wow this is when left alone with one's thoughts yeah truly like that it 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 was eye-opening. Yeah. I thought I was going to be fine. And I was like, oh, actually, no, I can't do this twice in a year. No, I, I get that. <laughs> and you weren't even sick. I mean, that's oh, the no. thing that's frustrating. It's no. like, I'm in quarantine. I'm fine. Yeah. But. Yeah. But also, you're really, you're just not seeing people. And, you know, that that was intense. Yeah. It's really, pe- we need people. I realize that's why I'm in this business. Yeah. What a bizarre couple of years. Yeah. But yeah. so so you, you get to do the season finale and mm-hmm. obviously with so much going on in that final episode. Right. I mean, where to begin there. Yeah. Um, you know, the decision to, uh, you know, kill off Juliette Lewis's character. Yep. So spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's been a couple months. Yeah, we can yeah. talk about it now. Yeah. Um, what were sort of your takeaways in, in sort of, you know, when you realized this is what Jab was doing and this is – Sort of where they were going with these characters. Well, I have to say, I really respected the, the there was a kind of clarity to it in that we had set this character up from the very beginning as someone who just sort of lived at a cliff's edge, always looking down, always contemplating jump. And it's funny because I think we tolerate that. For many seasons of television sometimes, but the reality actually is much harder, is much more unreasonable to have to contemplate, which is actually that we do lose people to the catastrophe of their own life, the life they've made for themselves. And in this case, like, Natalie was always this incredibly tortured character. We saw it through season one. We see it through season two. And what I loved about the finale was that – when you learn of that sort of like primal original shame that she lives with in kind of being named again, spoiler alert, um, being named this sort of new queen and the sense that she might have been directed to, um, by the group mentality to potentially sign off on really terrible things mm-hmm. that we are yet to see. It answered so much for me about that character, and it kind of did make some karmic, cosmic sense that this was the end of her particular character arc for the show. Um, And it was kind of like saying, you know, people who live at the edge don't always make it, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. And as we see through the flashbacks, I mean, we already know R.I.P. Javi, but we still don't know from that very first scene in that very first episode who yeah. that person is. Yeah. And, and so the things that are still going to happen that we don't know about. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> how much do you know, by the way? Um, I would say I'm kept largely in the dark um, about some of the biggest – the biggest things. That being said, I, you know, at the beginning of both seasons, I, I learned some, you know, pretty, pretty uh, key info. Yeah. Um, and I, I did, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, hoping I will for the third season as well. But yeah. 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 I, I stay in the dark until they feel they've figured it out. Because there is that big question of what we saw at the start of season two is this, this new timeline of what mm-hmm. happens when they return. Yes. And we thought maybe that would be revisited at the end of the season, yeah. but we haven't yet seen more of that. Yeah. So I assume that's yes. still a coming. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That and they don't have a place to live anymore yeah. other than the cave, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot that needs to get figured out between season yeah. two and season three. Yeah. <laughs> Um, casting is something mm-hmm. else that this show, I mean, they, they just kill it when it comes to no pun intended, actually. Okay. Pun intended. I'll take it. Um, the, the, the fact that the, the, you can really see the, the connection between the young actors and yeah. the mature actors, yeah. uh, and just like how genius mm. Was all of this casting and then bringing in new people this season, especially for the adults who really match up with the yeah. the young actors. I mean, that's an art. It is. And and I hope, you know, um, one of the things this show can do is really shine a light on the art of casting because it it makes or breaks your show. You know, you 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 really sort of live and die by the actors that you work with. And um, it really was such a testament to Junie and Libby, who we worked with from the beginning, to find those energetic matches, you know, to find the the the, the people who felt right together, even though you would never see them on screen together. You knew they had to kind of carry this thread across um, every episode. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's some heavy lifting as a director in sort of remembering, okay, this is sort of maybe a tick that one of the actors has Mm -hmm. that then the other actor has to sort of have that similar tick, that sort of similar – Tone. That, oh, totally. So. We we discovered early in the pilot, Christina Ricci would do this thing where she would use her middle finger to push up her glasses and reorient them on her face. And I think that that was such a great, just tiny little physical thing that then Samantha Hunrati could mm-hmm. run with throughout these two seasons. Yeah, yeah. And I think I may have mentioned this before – a panel that uh, we did with the show, but the, a testament to that is there was a point where I was watching the show. My wife came in and, and saw Samantha Henrati up mm-hmm. there, and she's like, "Oh, that's Christina Ricci." She thought it was Christina Ricci. Wow! On wow! And I was like, "No, no, actually, <laughs> that's amazing." Yeah, yeah, that's really amazing. I mean, it's a it's a thing about um, also, and it's so hard to talk about or quantify, but you know, like essence and. The, the great thing about, quote, both Christina and Samantha is they're not afraid of weirdness. Like, they're not afraid to, to be kind of weird and to stand at the edge of the action 
and you don't know, are they going to shrink away from it or are they going to like pounce into the middle of it all? And obviously at this point, we've learned that Misty's more probably of a pouncer. Mm -hmm. Um, But but that energetic quality is a hard thing to name, but there was something about seeing it and feeling it that kind of helped when we could all do that together and say, you know, look at Sophie Nalise's first audition or Sophie Thatcher's first audition and just say, oh, yes, there we go. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Sophies. But, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, tell tell me more about just your impression of these young actors, because, I mean, again, we saw it this season mm-hmm. with the birth episode. Just, I mean, the, oh, the amount. wonderful work. Yeah. Of, Liz, Liz Garbus's episode was so good. Yeah, yeah. And and just the, the incredible amount of work that went into that and, yeah. and just these actors and what how they've grown and how you've watched them grow as the show has progressed. Well, I think one of the things we've asked them to do is evoke – a terrible time in their character's history. And they've committed. You know, there's no, I don't know, shrugging it off or playing at the pain or the complication of it all. They just, they've actually really just committed to it and made it really interesting to watch, which is really what all we can ask for and and hopefully in return give them interesting material to work with. Yeah. So it's been exciting to see how they've, by leaps and bounds, gone deeper with these characters. Yeah, yeah. How is What is that like in terms of uh, protection on set, in, mm. in terms of mental health and, mm. and just working with the actors as, as they're, you know, really dealing with some difficult... Yeah, it's a really interesting question, actually, because certainly as I've gotten older in my filmmaking career, I've really had to ask myself, like, okay, why am I depicting this? Why am I watching this? Like, you know, sort of why am I asking an audience to watch sometimes scenes of terrible violence or terrible tragedy or or just very, you know, completely messed up circumstances? And so for me, I just feel like it's really important to acknowledge that with everyone, even if even if their coping me- mechanisms are much stronger than mine or, or much more resilient. I just like to say on set what we're talking about or depicting, pretending to play is intense and mm-hmm. not necessarily – it doesn't make for an easy day necessarily. And so I think it's important to – always be, I don't know, present with the reality that you're trying to depict and and honoring the fact that like it comes at a cost for the for the for the actors who perform it, for the the crew people who support those performances, for the writers and the directors who create and depict it, you know. So it's a it's a, a process of sort of being real with everyone. Yeah, and it is it is interesting to see the, just the fact we're talking about that these days, the mm. evolution of this conversation. Mm. You know, yeah. 20 years ago, I don't remember us ever talking about intimacy coordinators. I don't even yeah. know if that was a job back then. Yeah, I don't but, think it was. Yeah, <laughs> now it's an important part of yep. most sets. Yep. So, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think now we're, I've always said about actors that what we misunderstand in the business um particularly in the moments when people complain about actors, um, what we misunderstand about them 
and what they do is that their job is to show up and not just be prepared, but be vulnerable. That is the job that they've chosen, to be more vulnerable than everybody else on set. And I just like to remind everyone that that's what's happening, you know, that we're watching people struggle in the same way we all struggle with, am I making a fool of myself? Am I doing this wrong? Are people laughing at me? You know, like all of the stuff that happens in daily life, actors choose to go to that place that is fundamentally terrifying. And all of us around them can do is support them through that. You yeah, know? yeah. And to get meta, we're talking about that, but at the same time, we're talking about characters who are also oh, dealing with absolutely. this. Absolutely. And, and we see a lot of that in that, uh, you know, finale again. You know, mm-hmm. Lottie in particular, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a fascinating character. And, and again, someone as an adult we hadn't really seen until this season. Yep. And there's there's a lot of seeing what, what happens to Lottie in that finale. And yep. I, I know there was actually more that had been shot, right, that didn't yeah, make it. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the when I read the script, I remember thinking, this feels kind of like an hour and a half long episode. Um, and I was a little bit like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to fit all of this stuff in. And I know that we had to sort of make some some – major trims to accommodate just the sheer size of narrative event in the in the episode um but yeah it there there was a lot of um a, a lot that came down to sort of people's real suffering real struggle mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah all leading up to that that final moment yep so yeah <laughs> well i mean we're gonna I hate to say it, we're going to have to wait a while, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> I, I don't know what the exact – yeah, none of us do. I was just going to say, like, I wanted to try and game out some some schedule, but there's yeah. not – there's no, no schedule to be gamed right what, now. Was there a timetable that originally was, was in mind? Like, um, do you know when you were going to – I know to... there was. It was even still being worked out, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. I think they might have had one day of their writer's room before they had to shut down. Yeah. I know that was the case with a lot of Ooh. shows, that that first God. first day of May and then – Yeah. Yeah. Then... So pretty, pretty rough. Um, but – I'm hopeful that this time that is very valuable and necessary for the business and the reckoning that needs to come about how this how this business includes all of its members and all of its collaborators. I hope that this time ends up being um, well spent, you know, for for the people who can survive it. I'm I'm, of course, really deeply troubled by the fact that it'll be so hard for so many people yeah yeah so so hopefully we'll uh have a resolution soon on on both accounts yes um and in the meantime we'll sort of dream of what might happen in season three yeah yeah of yellow jackets exactly what's how do you how do you want (laughs) to what's your well i would say you brought this up and i've been so excited by this like the the concept of that immediate aftermath of re-entry into the world is just to me there's a whole season worth of material there you know and and the fact that this this is such an a long game that each of these characters is facing in terms of 
reorienting themselves to something kind of like whatever normalcy is supposed to be. And we're, I'm sure, going to learn that their normal is a lot different than our normal. Yeah, yeah. Because as we, we first – when we first met the adults, they seemed to be kind of on a normal path. Uh-huh. But then as those un, that onion started being yes. peeled back, yes. oh, no, they're not yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've, been, they've been holding it together right. barely, but barely for the past 15 yeah. years. But Yes, which I was, see as a metaphor for sort of – all of us. Yeah. <laughs> the last three years. In, actually, yeah. the last uh, yeah. eight and six. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's been a yeah. long time. Yeah. We're all just holding on, yeah. Karen. Well, <laughs> By our fingernails. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank um, you. Congrats on season two. Congrats on that batshit crazy finale. Thank Love you. it. Can't I wait to see more. But you. best to you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. I look forward to it. That's Karen Kusama, executive producer and director on Yellow Jackets. Catch up on the show via Showtime and Paramount Plus with Showtime. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news analysis and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.